Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptena, and today we'll be digging into how to determine what is actually stuck when you experience stuck behaviors, where they're stuck, and how to unstick them. When people talk about energy which is stuck, about blocks, worn-out patterns, or self-sabotage, there isn't an easy shorthand to explain what is being discussed. This is in part because each situation is unique to the individual. However, it's also, and almost as importantly, because we use these terms to describe two different categories of issues, developed and inherited. Developed blocks or stuck spots are things we've learned to do or be which are having negative consequences. For example, smoking may have been a way to deal with family issues, stress, emotional difficulties, or other things we need to avoid in the short term. However, the benefits of this coping mechanism no longer outweigh the negative effects. It's a behavior which can get seriously stuck and need to be shifted. In the same way, perspectives on finances, careers, relationship goals, and so on are all learned behaviors which can become negative and stuck but also stubborn in not wanting to transform into more healthy ways of being. Blocks in this category usually have a beginning point, like the yellow brick road in The Wizard of Oz. If we think back, we can find where the first brick is and see how the road has unwound from there. Once the brick is identified, remembered, and brought back into our real-time consciousness, we can find various points along the way where the associated baggage has become stuck. These are the points where we can get a lever stuck under the baggage and start prying it up out of its deeply entrenched stuck spot, getting it rolling downhill or into a truck, wagon, or wheelbarrow so it can be moved to the recycling depot of the universe and transmuted into something good. However, this process doesn't fill in the divot our baggage left behind, which is something most people don't realize. The deep indentation or indentations will need to be filled with good habits, new experiences, trying things outside our comfort zone, as well as the support of friends, community, and our family of choice. While none of this is easy, issues which we have developed we can undevelop, as it were. What we have made we can unmake, which points a beautiful bright arrow towards the reality that we can make a healthy life just as easily, well, and possibly even more skillfully than we made our blocks. Dealing with the other category, inherited blocks or stuckness, is a bit more difficult. Inherited blocks, behavior patterns, self-sabotage, and stuckness is a bit like a dirty trick people sometimes play by taping a message to your back without your knowing it. Everyone around you is reacting to something about you which you can't see, don't know about, and have no real conscious control over. Yet it affects absolutely everything going on in your life, including how you perceive yourself. The difficulties in finding when and how we inherited the blockage. Unlike with developed negative habits, it's rare for us to have any conscious knowledge of our inheritance. They seem to have just always been there, predating our conscious memories or feeling as essential to our nature as our ability to touch and taste. These habits and perceptions of who we are and how the world works for us can feel ancient, like they defy linear time and instead inhabit the same realms of our intuition and unconscious self-awareness. There seems to be no traumatic or dramatic moment where we came to experience a before and after of ourselves 
It's as if this is always how things have been and somehow is part of our essential nature, even while some part of us knows this can't be true. So just as with the childish prank, which has a negative message attached to the place most difficult to see or reach, the source of inherited blocks in most cases lie in one of two places which affect us most without being connected to our consciousness. Past lives and childhood programming. Past lives are our experiences of prior embodiments which inform who we are now, not only in this life, but as a soul beyond it. Just as learning handwriting and typing affect who we are in this moment, remembering how we learn to do so is often less than useful in navigating whatever lesson, issue, or experience we're working on. For example, remembering the handwriting lesson you had on a Wednesday in spring of third grade wouldn't really help you figure out how to write out a request for a raise at work or text your way out of a first date which is a failure. This is how most past life experiences are meant to be, essential to our becoming, but not memorable. Some past life experiences and connections can be and are useful when planning the next embodied life for a variety of reasons. If we're working with a soul group in serial lives to play roles and learn lessons, then working off of what we learned before is essential, as is the ongoing relationship and trust we're building with those other souls. Relationships we have with souls outside our soul group can be a great foundation for working together in the next life, and remembering those connections can allow us to fail better or even succeed at some task or lesson this time around. While most unresolved issues or relationships get resolved by the souls while in the Akashics between lives, it's not uncommon for souls to agree to continue things in the next life, taking on a variation of the previous scenario which has a better chance of success. Unfortunately, on rare occasions, past lives can leave unresolved behaviors or triggers which activate once we're embodied. These should not be confused with lessons which we're here to learn through problem solving and personal transformation. While it's not uncommon to hear life lessons talked about as if they're discrete beads on a string, each happening within one life or if not accomplished then, repeated in the next, lessons of any complexity will play out over a number of lives. It can be helpful to think of this like moving on a spiral rather than a straight line. We can be working on several lessons simultaneously, and so as we spiral upwards in our becoming, we touch on a lesson and learn it a bit more deeply and richly than we had done before, then move on to the next until we spiral around again. Hence, if we pray, meditate, or ask about past lives which are relevant to the life we're living today, we can get not just one but three to seven examples, all with a similar theme. This is how many times we've worked with the lesson, including all the layers and steps which have led us to this moment. People often misunderstand this as a tour of all their failures, especially as the most often experienced and remembered bit of past lives is the ending. Instead, this is showing you all the components of how you got from point A to point G or Z or wherever it is you're standing today. So when looking for a stuck spot, a block, or an old habit which has infiltrated from a past life, there won't be this tour of lives past where we see the trends, similarities, and patterns. Instead, the experience is usually of one moment in time seen either as a snapshot or a short video. The experience will be very emotional rather than intellectual. Often these experiences are not of dramatic moments, but quite the opposite. They're like the scene in the dystopian movie where the camera pans over the acres and acres of dirt where nothing grows, or a western where the tumbleweed goes by in the wind. Whatever happened has happened, 
and devastation is the outcome. This has left an emotional wound which can't be healed until this quote-unquote splinter has been removed. The difference between a lesson and a blockage shows in the person's lived experience as well. If past life lessons are what is being worked through, then situations repeat over and over in a detectable pattern, not just in relationships, but in work, community, family, with strangers, and so on. A stuck spot generates problems from within. It's a bit like having a black thumb in gardening. While the person knows they're on the right track, doing what they're being asked to do and doing it the right way, once they're fully engaged in it, things get twisted and go wrong. This is obvious to others as well as the person and is so anomalous it might even be discussed openly. A past life regressionist, someone who practices life between life regressions, or any reader who can read past lives reliably should be able to see which of these is the case and help the person connect with their higher self to start resolving the situation. Past life splinters are rare occurrences, and most people won't find them as the source of the problem. However, as they do occur, it can be helpful to know what to look for. On the other hand, what is more common is childhood programming. This type of programming is actually a naturally occurring and necessary process which happens to each of us between ages 0 to 3. Right along with learning to crawl and walk, to focus our eyes, determine where a sound comes from, and discern what is too hot or too cold, we learn about the nature of our social world and how to navigate it. We're growing our body while at the same time learning to connect it with our prana, chi, akasha, and intertwine all this with our eternal soul. Our physical energy connection is forming and coming online during this time through our limbic system, which includes structures in the brain and brainstem, the cerebrospinal fluid it sits in, the spinal cord, and the nerve connections all along the spine. This is the physical structure, which forms the support for our chakras and all the interconnected organs and nerve complexes they operate and experience. This is where our instinctive fight-flight-freeze responses take on information and set it into a configuration which hopefully will support our survival. Childhood programming is in part what is being discussed when experts talk about attachment theory, how important it is for infants to be held so they can thrive, the benefits of regular schedules, and so on. During these times, babies are learning not just language, but whether or not the world is safe, if we need to take extreme measures to ensure our survival, if we need to earn love and acceptance, if the gods are capricious and require sacrifice, and so on. This is happening during a time when it's most effective, when we're learning machines so elastic we can take in multiple languages effortlessly and simultaneously when we can pick up anything and everything simply by breathing in its proximity and the lessons don't have to be filtered. They can go straight into the tissues, which is why this process has one of the greatest potentials for negative effects. Things which happen during this time period enter into us not as memories we can access, but into our bodies as foundational truths. They weld into us in the same place where instinct and intuition functions, so while we can't remember that our mother loomed over us drunkenly and shrieked at the top of her lungs, or our father held us too high and shook us until we stopped doing something, our bodies will take this in as the structure of the universe as sure as gravity makes things go down. Since this programming happens before we have linear memories or functional access to a differentiated eye, we can't access them consciously even once we're adult. We're not even aware they exist. They lurk in our bodies, are triggered by events, influence our perspectives on ourself and the world, 
and become the stuck spot we can't find in an otherwise conscious and healthy self. They're resistant to conscious control because they are the system in which the consciousness functions. If our logical thoughts, our desires, and our means of implementing them are all managed by our higher functioning brain, the blocks in the nervous system exist within the limbic system, which feeds the brain information and controls the fluid it's floating in. This is why self-sabotage issues can seem old or even predate this life. They often get bequeathed to us by circumstances which happen when we're too young to remember them happening and are taken in by us in ways which aren't retrievable in our brain memory. They are in and of our body, which is running the show. Inherited childhood programming can be healed, though. It can be released, unwound, or deleted by working with the affected systems. It can help to think of this like having a chronically closed fist. Trying to force the fingers open can do more damage than good and leave the hand mangled or at least unwilling to work correctly for quite some time. Instead, recognizing the hand doesn't want to be expending lots of energy to remain in a fist, that it doesn't want to experience the pain of clenching and has been waiting for the all-safe signal, we can listen to what the hand wants and encourage this to happen without judgment or direction. The hand will, sooner rather than later, begin to unclench on its own. Perhaps not fully, maybe not in the way we think it should, but change will begin to happen. This allows us to start a different relationship with our hand, which includes not only healing it from the need to be a fist, but also exploring all it is capable of doing and being beyond this stuck spot. For childhood programming, there are a variety of means to start this healing change within the limbic system. All of them are gentle, restorative, while at the same time being deeply transformative. These include cranial sacral therapy, which focuses on emotional issues and the healing of trauma, Watsu therapy, soul retrieval, and somatic experiencing. Each of these help us remove old stuck issues from our chakras, from the prana channel, and physical energy systems, as well as our organs and tissues, so we are no longer hijacked by them and instead can live in harmony with our best and highest good. If you're interested in any of these healing modalities, I've put a link in the podcast description, which has more details and links to websites and books. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thank you to my patron of honor this week, Lourdes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. For $5 a month, you can join in patron-only classes and workshops, See all my other offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Terry Utena. Thanks.